we've been talking about, we started this last week, Holy Spirit, a difference maker. And last week we talked about three Ps. The Holy Spirit can make a difference in your position. That no matter where you are, where you find yourself, there is a kingdom purpose in your position. Whether it's a great time in your life or a horrible time in your life, a challenging time, uh, a time you're celebrating, whatever. There's a kingdom purpose that we need to find and God will help us navigate through that position. Then the second thing we talked about, the Holy Spirit will make a difference in our power. The Holy Spirit in our life is the power of God. The Bible talks about this, and we'll get into more later in the series, but we need the power, the strength of the Holy Spirit to get through some things we can't do on our own. Anybody ever had to face something in your life that you thought you were not going to make it? I think uh, me, I've, me and anyone watching online, hopefully you are participating, that there was times in our life we come up to situations where we're like, I just can't make it. We're like, God, I can't take any more. I'm ready to cash in my chips. I'm ready to do whatever. Whatever analogy you want to make, just say, God, I can't do it. But with the power and strength of the Holy Spirit, we can do that. The third thing the Holy Spirit makes a difference in is our patience. Can we just stay there for a moment and just receive? (laughs) Holy Spirit makes a difference in our patience, and our patience is that we will keep going and not allow the enemy to rob us from what God's promised us. It's constancy, it's consistency, it's what patience is. And so we talked about that a little bit. But today, I'm going to talk about Holy Spirit making a difference in our life because of the way he teaches us. The Holy Spirit is called a teacher. And we've got some great teachers that call the roads home. That they attend here and make this church their home. Some wonderful teachers here, wonderful teachers in our, our surrounding communities. And my wife was a, was a school teacher. And so I'm just, I have a special appreciation for teachers. But how many knows this? All the teachers can relate with me. Maybe you've even homeschooled your kids. For teaching to take place and for teaching to be successful, you need two things. You need a great teacher and you need a learner. You can be a phenomenal teacher. You can have all the bells and whistles on the latest trends and tricks on how to get out information, how to assimilate information, how to communicate with people. You can lay it out with great illustrations. You can do whatever you want. But it never changes someone or impacts someone unless there's the learner, someone who's willing to learn. And I believe that's the importance in how the Holy Spirit wants to make make a difference in our life is he wants to teach us. He wants to teach you and I, but we have to be willing to learn. So you and I today are going to decide, are we going to learn or are we going to endure? Are we just going to sit through a service and hear another sermon Are you going to lean in and say, Holy Spirit, whatever you have for me, I'm going to learn today. So we're going to see how he wants to make a difference in our lives and those. So if you've got your Bibles there, you found 1 Samuel chapter 10. We're going to get into this and see what God has to say about how the Holy Spirit wants to teach us. I'm going to give you a few ways that I believe that if we will listen to the Holy Spirit and allow allow him to teach us, he will make a huge difference in our lives. 1 Samuel chapter 10 is talking about Saul. Saul was the first king of Israel, just to give you some context. And Saul was picked by God. Some people kind of, Saul gets a bad rap, but Saul was actually picked by God. He's the one who pointed him out and said, that's the man. So Saul started out good. And so when Saul started, Samuel went to anoint him. And Saul had been out looking for some missing donkeys. His dad 
had lost the donkeys had gone out, got out of the pen. You know, they're running crazy, running loose. And, and you know, donkeys can be a little stubborn. And so he's trying to find them to bring him home. And he goes out looking for him, and Samuel finds him. And verse 1 says, Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, Is it, be, is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? So when you have departed from me today, you will find two men of Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zelzah, and they will say to you, the donkeys which you went to look for have been found. Super. Donkeys have been found. But here's the other part. And now your father ceased caring about the donkeys and is worrying about you, saying, what shall I do about my son? Then you shall go on forward from there and come to the terebinth tree of Tabor, there three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you, one carrying three goats, another carrying three loaves of bread, another carrying a skin of wine, and they will greet you. They'll say, what's up? How you doing? You ever met somebody that, that you tried to greet on the road and they didn't acknowledge you? It's like, hey, how you doing? Some, not everybody wants to be greeted on the road. But so they will greet you. But this is the part that I think is important. And they will give you two loaves of bread, which you shall receive from their hands. I thought that was curious. Why did he say they will give you two loaves of bread, which you will receive from their hands? Here's the principle that I believe God's wanting us to understand about in the kingdom of God. God's wanting to give things into our life, but we have to receive them. There's two parts to us working with heaven and cooperating with what God wants to do in our life. There's the giving side, which is God's side, which you don't have to control. But there's the receiving side, which is our side, and we absolutely have responsibility for. He says, they're, they're going to give you two loaves of bread, and I want you to receive them. Can somebody ever try and give you something and you not receive it? Have you ever had somebody try and give you a compliment and you wouldn't receive it? Have you ever had anybody trying to give you something? You said, oh, no, I couldn't possibly. I couldn't take that. No, thank, no, I couldn't. See, in order, in order for us to get what God wants us to have, we have to receive it. There's part of that. So that's what's happening here. After that, you shall come to the hill of God where the Philistine garrison is, and it will happen when you've come there to the city that you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with a stringed instrument, a tambourine, a flute, and a harp before them, and they will be prophesying. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. Hang on, we'll come back to that. And let it be when these signs come to you that you do as the occasion demands for God is with you. You shall go down before me to Gilgal and surely I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings and make sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait till I come to you and show you what you should do. So it was... Just like he said, when he turned his back from Samuel, that God gave him another heart. And all those signs came to pass that day. When they came there to the hill, there was the group of prophets with all the symbols and tambourines and everything. To meet him, then the Spirit of God came upon him and he prophesied among them. And it happened when all who knew him formerly saw that he indeed prophesied among the prophets that the people said to one another, What is this that has come upon the son of Kish, which was just Saul's dad's name? Is Saul also among the prophets? Notice what happened in verse 6. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you. 
you will prophesy and you'll be turned into another man. I want to submit to us today that when the Spirit of God comes on our life, it will turn us into another woman, into another man. The Holy Spirit makes a difference in our lives. And when the Holy Spirit is on our lives, it will make such a difference. I'm talking about when the true presence of God touches our lives, it will make such a difference that your friends and your family members around you will say, Hey, what's, what's up with you? What's happened to you? This, what's happened to this Saul of Kish? We know Saul and that's not him. Something's happened to him. When something happens, you ever notice somebody that God has touched their life, friends, family member, maybe yourself, but you run across somebody and you know as soon as you see them, something about their face has changed. You don't even have to ask them. You don't even know certainly what it is exactly, but you say, hey, hey, what's different? You lose weight? You get a nice haircut? What is it? Something's different. They're like, hey, I got born again. I gave Jesus my life. Something about the Holy Spirit can turn us into another man, another woman. We got to allow the Holy Spirit to do that. Look what happens in verse 6. It said, The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you will prophesy with him and be turned into another man. Down in verse 10, when it actually happens, that was the prophecy or the prediction that was going to happen in verse 6. When it actually happens in verse 10, it says, The Spirit of God came, him, came upon him and he prophesied. It doesn't say that he was turned into another man, but he said he did in verse 6. So here's what I want to say and talk about the Holy Spirit in our lives. When it comes upon us, when we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, it can change us into another person. But look what happened. How did it change him into another person? He began to prophesy. Now maybe you're like me. Maybe you were raised in church where you never taught about prophecy. Or maybe you were raised not in church at all and you still don't know anything about prophecy. Because when you hear someone talk about prophesying, most people assume that they're talking about something that they can never do. They, when you say, hey, people are prophesying, most people check out and say, well, that's somebody else because I, I could never do that. But I want you to understand, I'm going to give you the most vanilla definition of prophecy. I'm not talking about the office of a prophet. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about prophecy, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 type of prophecy. The basic definition of prophecy is just speaking whatever God tells you to say. That God gives you an unction, gives you a thought, gives you an inspiration, whatever it is. You feel like God is telling you to tell someone something. When you speak that, you are prophesying to them. You may just be trying to encourage them. You may try and comfort them. You may try and console them. You may try and build them up. But it's just releasing a word of prophecy. Sometimes God uses you to do something that you think prophecy is something way beyond what you could do. But God wants to speak through you to encourage someone else. But notice what happens. When he began to say what God told him to say, he was changed into another man. So here's what I want to say. The first thing that we need to remember how can we be changed and transformed into another person when we allow the Holy Spirit to teach us what to say? Do our words matter? I believe our words matter significantly, and the Bible speaks to this a lot. I'm not going to make the whole message about it, but here's what happened. Saul was transformed into another person. He began to prophesy. Was it he began to prophesy and became another man, or he was transformed into another man and began to prophesy. I believe it can happen both ways, because here's what I believe. Sometimes you're prophesying to a place, and sometimes you're prophesying from a place. What I mean by that is sometimes I'm speaking to where I'm going, 
I'm speaking like God's telling me, Chad, I want you to start talking this way, and it's someplace I haven't gotten yet, but he's telling me to talk about where God's taking me. That's prophesying to a place. And sometimes I'm going to prophesy from a place. In other words, he wants me to help someone else with where God has brought me, and I encourage them with what God's done in my life. Sometimes we prophesy to where we're going, and sometimes we prophesy from where, we get, where we've been, but anytime it's speaking as God tells us to speak. So what will change us into another person, another man, another woman? Number one is when we learn to allow the Holy Spirit to teach us what to say. Here's what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. In verse 9, it says, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, I'm sorry, verse 10, Or 12, so I'll get the verse 12. Now we receive not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things which have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. So here's what we're talking about. If we're going to be transformed into another person to become who God wants us to become, we're going to have to learn to speak the way the Holy Spirit teaches us to speak. Here's what that verse says. We're not going to speak in words and wisdom that man teaches. We're going to speak in the words, the wisdom that God teaches. There's a difference in what the wisdom of the world tells me to say, and there's a difference in the wisdom of what God tells me to say. When I line up my words with what God says, Hebrews 11.3 says this, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. I was out on a boat with a friend of mine. And we were just riding across the water. It's in the morning. You know, it's real still in the water. Beautiful, beautiful to look at. And he made made the comment, I just, I can't believe people have trouble believing there's a God. Then how can they believe that, that there's no God for all this? I said, well, here's what I found. I believe it takes more faith to not believe in God than it takes to believe in God. Because you have to believe that all these things just happened on their own. The trees just formed on their own. Eyeballs just formed on their own. People formed on their own to have five fingers on each hand and and legs. And and they just formed on their own. Brains came together. All of the, the stems from the eyeballs connected to the brain so that we can have vision. All of that just happened by chance. It takes a lot of faith to believe that. But as we was looking at that and understanding the beauty of creation and seeing what God has done, we realized that the worlds were framed by the word of God. God didn't take something and make something. He spoke it into existence. So we are in the image and likeness of God. So how am I going to transform my life? Hebrews 11.3, we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God. So now I understand that my words frame my world. My words frame my feelings about myself. My words frame my thoughts about myself. My words frame my identity. What I release out of my mouth shapes and forms how I picture myself. My words can shape and form my children. My words can frame the world of my child's identity about themselves. My words can frame the image of my wife on how she views herself. If I speak the words of God over her, it frames her thinking about herself. 
When you speak words over something, there's power in that. It can shape and form relationships. It can shape and form coworkers, your relationships with other people, how you speak about them, how you speak about yourself makes a difference in your world. Now, people say, I don't believe that. I don't think it matters. That's just something I say. It's just words. Words don't matter. I believe it does matter. Well, I can't change that. You know, it's just something I've always done. My dad said that. My mom said that. We've just always said that in ourselves. Well, be a good learner and change. Just stop it. Stop saying it. There's certain phrases that I always used to say, and I just stopped saying them. Why? Because God kept asking me, do you want that to happen? I said, no, it's just something I say. Well, stop it and say what you want to happen. Now, I'm not talking about just blind confess what I want, what I want, what I want. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about speaking as the Lord tells you to speak. So now we'll be transformed as we begin to do that. We've got to be able to figure out how God wants us to do it. We've got to figure out how God wants us to speak. So I will be shaped, I'll be transformed when I allow the Lord, the Holy Spirit, to tell me what to say. Remember, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Saul. He prophesied, told him, told said what God told him to say, and he was transformed into another man. That's the first thing. Now, let's go over to John chapter 14. The Holy Spirit. Will the Holy Spirit make a difference in my life? Will the Holy Spirit make a difference in your life? Will the Holy Spirit, what, what about the Holy Spirit? I've got God, the Father. I've got Jesus. I don't, I, what do I need with the Holy Spirit? We need the Holy Spirit. And maybe you've been raised, and we'll talk about this more in the weeks to come. This is why you need to invite someone to be a part of this series because we're going to break down some things, hopefully break down some walls about some teachings of the Holy Spirit. A lot of people thought teaching on the Holy Spirit was a denominational thing, that only certain churches did that. It's not about, it's, we're just going to talk about what's in the Bible. Don't be limited by a name on a door. Be limited by what the Bible says. So we're going to engage that, the Holy Spirit in our life. We need the Holy Spirit. And this is why I said the Holy Spirit is a difference maker because I want people to understand that it's for everyone. It will make a difference in your life. John chapter 14, look at verse 15. This is Jesus talking. It's in the red. It's kind of important when Jesus is talking. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now watch this. This is what Jesus said. Everybody loves Jesus you got Jesus, got the Father, and I will pray the Father. So we got Jesus, the Son, praying to the Father, and he will give you another. Everybody say another. He will give you another helper. Now that word another is an important Greek word. The, the word there means one besides another of the same kind. The word shows similarities, but diversities of operations and ministries, another of the same kind. So let's look what he said. I will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, this is the another helper. It's the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Here's the promise. Jesus knew this to his disciples. I'm getting ready to ascend into heaven. I'm getting ready to go, but I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm not going to leave you hanging. I'm not going to leave you without the presence of God. I was here as the presence of God on the earth. You could see me. You could feel me. You could touch me. You could hear me. And I was the presence of God on the earth. But here's what's going to happen. I'm going to leave, but I'm not going to leave you hanging. I'm not going to leave you orphans. 
I'm going to give you another helper. Now, not a watered-down secondary version of Jesus. Another means of the same kind with a different function. So it tells me the Holy Spirit is just as important as Jesus. He just has a different function. You need the Holy Spirit. We need to understand that there's a trinity of God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is just as much God as the Father. He just has a different function. He has a different purpose. So if we'll embrace that, we will elevate him to the status of significance in our life, and we will not push the Holy Spirit to the side, but we will embrace the Holy Spirit. We'll embrace what he wants to do in our hearts. He says, another helper, that he will abide with you forever, because I'm getting ready to go, but I'm going to leave you with the Holy Spirit. Now let's go on to the same chapter, going to verse 25, 26. And it says, verse 26, but the helper, the word helper there is the Greek word parakletos, just means called alongside, means comforter. Sometimes in the King James Version, they'll translate it as comforter. It means someone that's called, you know, someone that's a comfort to you in time of need is someone who comes close to you. Anybody been in a situation in your life where you needed comforting? And people came to you and they they didn't, the best comfort is the close comfort. The Holy Spirit, Parakletos, is called alongside to help us in our life. We need the Holy Spirit. You know, when I was growing up, um, my first exposure to a comforter was at my grandma's house. I moved in with my grandma for a short time when I was younger. And, and so when I went to bed, she told me this is how it works. You take this comforter off the bed and put it, fold it up and put it beside the bed. And then in the morning, you put the comforter back on the bed. Right. So when I go to bed that night, the comforter felt good. So I just covered up with it. I thought, this is great. Grandma didn't know what she was talking about. Maybe she'd never covered up with this thing before. So she comes in and says, hey, hey, get that comforter off the bed. I said, but it, Grandma, it feels good. I know, but that's for looks, not for use. And as I got older, I found there's a lot of things that are for looks and not for use. You may have some towels in your bathroom that are for looks, not for... Some of you are thinking of a lot of things right now that are for looks and not of use. I don't understand all that, but that's okay. Here's what does concern me, that sometimes in our life, the comforter of the Holy Spirit is just for looks and not for use. I want to submit to us that the Holy Spirit is not just for Sundays to perform for people. The Holy Spirit is for everyday use. He's not for special occasions when I'm really in a bind. He's when everything's going great, and I just want to say, hey, Holy Spirit, how you doing? The comforter of the Holy Spirit. Look what he says he'll do. I will, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you how many things? He will teach you how many things? One more time. He'll teach you how many things? All things. He will teach you church things. 
Here's why some people don't think they need the Holy Spirit, because they think the Holy Spirit can't help them figure out their job. The Holy Spirit can't help me on my job. My Holy Spirit can't help me in my relationship. My Holy Spirit can't help me in my finances. He will teach us all things. The Holy Spirit is a difference maker in every area of our life. Holy Spirit will help you as a parent. The Holy Spirit can help you as a spouse. The Holy Spirit can help you as an employer. You've got that employee that you can't figure out how to manage them well. The Holy Spirit can give you wisdom on how to manage them. Maybe you're trying to work for a boss and you just can't, you're struggling trying to work. The Holy Spirit can teach you all things. Maybe you've got a problem on your team at work and you're trying to solve a problem. Take some time and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to show you what to do. Well, he doesn't know anything about that. This is electrical stuff. I'm going to say the Holy Spirit might know a thing or two about electricity. I'm going to say he might know a little bit about engineering. I'm going to say he might know a little bit about farming. He might know a little bit of how you can teach your students better. Ask him. He knows. He knows everything. He says he's going to teach us all things. And look what else he's going to do. He's going to bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. The Holy Spirit wants to bring back to your remembrance things that God has told you in your life. He wants to bring back. Anybody ever been in a situation and you realize, oh, wait a minute, I need to change that. God's speaking to me. Or I remember something God said. I remember the scripture or something. That's the Holy Spirit bringing it to your remembrance. Remembering something God did for you before when you're going through something right now and you remember when God brought you through before and it gives you confidence that God's going to do it again, that's the Holy Spirit stirring your faith. That's what he wants to do. He's, he's going to teach us all things. We need the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says this, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. We need all three. We need the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need the love of the Father. We need the communion of the Holy Spirit. Now go on down to, uh, let's jump over to chapter 16. Look at verse 7, chapter 16. This is Jesus talking again. And he says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Now, Now when I'm listening to Jesus and he stops and says, I tell you the truth, I'm going to assume Jesus is always telling me the truth. I'm going to think that's not necessary. I'm going to say, Jesus, I'm pretty much expecting you to tell me the truth all the time. So it starts you thinking, have you ever talked to somebody? And say, listen, let me be honest with you. Okay. Wow, thank you. As opposed to our normal conversation. Now listen, really, really, I got to be honest with you. (laughs) You got to be. I appreciate it. But that's what's happened. It's like Jesus was saying, hey, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. But he wasn't saying, hey, up to this point, I could have been lying. He was saying, turn off your phone. Stop Snapchatting. Stop checking your news feed and pay attention. I'm getting ready to drop a bomb here, and you don't want to miss this one. When Jesus says things like, verily, verily, and I tell you the truth, perk up. You may forget the rest of my message, but listen to this part. Because he said, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. Stop! Right then, I wouldn't believe Jesus. If if I'm listening to this and he said, Chad, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage I go away. I'd be like, no way! It's going to be better without Jesus. This is the Son of God! 
Miracles happening everywhere. Feeding 5,000. All this is happening because you're here and you tell me it's going to be better if you go away? I'm not going to believe it. But he said, I tell you the truth. So how important is the Holy Spirit? If Jesus himself said, it's better that the Holy Spirit is here than I was here. Can you imagine if Jesus lived right here in your town, in your community, and he'd come over and just see you once in a while? Wouldn't that be awesome if he stopped by every day just to check on you, see how you're doing? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Come in, I'm going to hang out with you, watch Family Feud, whatever. I don't know what he's going to do. Can you imagine if Jesus was there with you every day? See, he couldn't be everywhere at one time because he came in flesh. But he said, I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit, and he'll not only be with you, but he'll be in you. It's your advantage that I go away because look what happens. If I don't go away, the helper won't come, but if I depart, I will send him to you, and he will be with you all the time. When he has come, he will do this. He will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Three things I want to give you before we get out of here today. What will transform you and I into another man, into another woman? Number one, it was that we're going to learn to allow the Holy Spirit to teach us what to say. Okay? So now three more things. That if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to make a difference in these three areas of our life, we will not reach our full potential. Ready for the first one. Here's what the Holy Spirit came to do. Number one, the Holy Spirit came to convict the world of sin. Now we've got to deal with this word convict because the word convict gets a bad rap. The word convict does not mean to accuse. The word convict does not mean to rub your nose in it. The word convict does not mean to uh, condemn you. The word convict is to bring overwhelming evidence or to convince. I like the word convince better than convict. The Holy Spirit has come to convince you. Here's what he's come to convince you. Number one, we got to allow the Holy Spirit to convince us of sin. If we don't allow the Holy Spirit to tell us what sin is in our life, we will never become what God wants us to become. As long as we're the one telling the Holy Spirit what I think sin is and what I think sin isn't, I'm in trouble. And we do this all the time. We will say things like this. Well, I don't see anything wrong with that. Well, my friends do it. I don't see anything wrong with that. This is the voice of my teenage and early 20 years. I don't see anything wrong with that. I begin to look at other people, I begin to look at the Bible, certain things, and I begin to say, you know what? I can figure out what's right for me and what's not right for me. I'm a big boy. And I, you know what? I don't think I need to be held back by all that restrictive stuff. I can decide what's good for me and what's not. I can decide how far I go with my girlfriend and how far I don't go with my girl. Let me try this side over here. I, 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 I can decide when I tell the truth and when I don't tell the truth. I can decide where I go and where I don't go. I can decide what I put in my body, what I do. I can decide all of that. We can. The truth is we absolutely can decide, but we get the fruit of our own judgment. And I don't know about you, but I'm not a very good judge of what's right and wrong in my life. So we got to allow the Holy Spirit to convict us of sin, what's right and what's wrong. And there's a big difference between conviction and condemnation. 
The Bible says there's no condemnation to them in being Christ Jesus. It does not say there's no conviction to those that be in Christ Jesus. Condemnation paints a broad brushstroke and wants to ruin your identity as a whole. Conviction points out little things that's keeping you from becoming the person that God created you to be. Conviction says this to you, that right there, that, you need to stop that. Condemnation says you're a horrible person and you'll never amount to anything. Condemnation says you're a failure and you're a loser. Conviction says right there, that thing that's holding you back, get it out. Conviction is freedom. Woo! Hey! About... Mm. God, give me English on this part right here. I just about... <laughs> hey. Huh. Conviction is freedom for you. Condemnation is bondage. If you allow the Holy Spirit to teach you what sin is, it will liberate you. I walk in more freedom than I ever walked in when I was deciding what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. I was in bondage to my own lusts and my own appetites. But when I allow the Holy Spirit to lead me and guide me, now I can walk in freedom. That God doesn't want to get me out of sin because he wants to get me out of fun. He wants to get me out of sin because he wants to get me out of death. He wants to lead me out of death and lead me into life. So conviction, conviction leads me to life. It brings me to an identity. It brings me to a value and a purpose. Conviction is liberating. Allow the Holy Spirit to set us free and be the one who defines sin for us. That's number one. Man, we got to hurry. The number two, he says, I came to convict you of sin, and most people will embrace that. Okay, I realize, convict me of sin. But he says, I also, the Holy Spirit comes to convict you of righteousness. Convict you of righteousness? What is what on earth do you mean, Chad? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says this, that God was speaking through Paul to the church, and he says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to convict you or convince you that Jesus has gone to the Father, and he's taking care of our sins. So that all we have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and we become the righteousness of God in him. I believe one of the biggest hindrances for us being transformed to make a difference in our life is many times we don't have any problem being convinced of our sin, but we struggle being convinced of our righteousness. That, oh, I'm just a terrible sinner. I'm no good. No, nobody's reached the glory of God. Everybody's sinned. Everybody's fallen short. Nobody, everybody has a, nobody has a problem with that. Convict of sin, I'm just terrible. I messed up. I screwed up. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Nobody has a problem with that. But a lot of people have a problem with being convinced that they're the righteousness of God. That it's about the blood of Jesus. That you and I will never earn our salvation. We will never be good enough for God. I have to, I struggle more to be convinced by the Holy Spirit that I'm the righteousness of God than I ever have struggled being convicted of sin. He's a difference maker. He wants to convince you that you're the righteousness of God. Live above that. You're the righteousness of God. Walk in that. I want us, we need to be very quick to allow the Holy Spirit to define what sin is, but as soon as we repent, we need to be just as quick, just as quick to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us and remind us that we're the righteousness of God. 
But no, we want to waller in it. I got to pay a penance for that. I need to waller in my sin for at least another week or two. Or I can't worship this week because on Tuesday I was just bad. Had bad thoughts, bad attitude in the parking lot before I came in. I just had a horrible attitude. How long are you going to wait? How long are you going to wait before you get righteous? How long are we going to wait before after our fight with our wife that we repent and walk in your righteousness? He came to convict you of righteousness. Thirdly, convict you of sin, convince you that you need a Savior, convince you that you're righteous. Third, of judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. The Holy Spirit come to convict us of judgment. Most people thought this means I'm going to be judged. Oh, he's going to judge me. I see God the Father, big hammer, boom, my world, I'm coming crashing down. Oh boy, oh boy, scared of God. Don't go to God. Oh, fearful, fearful, big, angry God, big, angry God. Oh, he's going to judge me. Oh, man. Of judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. He's not even talking about you. He's talking about the ruler of this world, which is Satan. Here's the third thing that the Holy Spirit comes to convict us of or convince us of that we need to get in order we're going to be transformed into another man, another woman. That the ruler of this world has already been judged. All of his authority, all of his power has already been stripped. He's already been disarmed. His end has already been determined. He has already been sentenced. And we no longer are subject to or have to be underneath the oppression of the enemy. We can walk in victory and authority. The third step is that we have to be convicted of our authority in Christ. This is a big one for me. That I understood salvation in Jesus I didn't grasp righteousness of God because I thought that was prideful and arrogant to say that I'm a righteous son of God. I thought that was too lofty. I just go around walking in fake humility all the time and tell everybody how miserable I am and how horrible I am. Oh, I'm not any good. Oh, I'm not any good. It's all God. I'm worthless. I'm disgusting. I thought that was humble. I didn't get righteousness of God that I need to speak what God says about me. But the third one I had no idea about that God had given me Luke 10, 19. So behold, I give you all the authority over the enemy, over serpents and scorpions, over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Are you convinced, am I convinced, that the enemy's already been judged and I don't have to put up with his junk anymore? I don't have to put up with it. You don't have to put up with his lies. You, yourself, can say, in Jesus' name, get off of me. I'm telling you, I ain't going out like that anymore. Those thoughts right there, I take you captive, get out. That attitude, get out. That that situation, I take authority over you in the name of Jesus. You trying to come between me and my wife, I command you right now, get out in Jesus' name. You are my enemy. It's not my wife. It's not my husband. You're my enemy. You trying to come between me and my kids. Let me tell you how this is going to happen. I'm going to stand on the word of God, and I have got authority over you. You've already been judged, so I plead the blood of Jesus over my situation. It's not about us. It's not about who we are. It's about what Jesus died to give us, and the Holy Spirit needs to convince us. Let him define your sin today. Let him be the one because it's freedom for you. Let him define your righteousness. Stop beating yourself down. Allow him to show you that the enemy's been judged. Rise up and take possession of everything Jesus died to give you.